podcast, the Thoughtful Book Club podcast featuring two friends. I'm Travis, joined as always by my co-host Amanda. Hey Amanda. Hello. Welcome back. Are you feeling healthy, hearty, and well-rested today? Um, never well-rested at this point, but... <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of adjectives on the fly to describe what the people in the book did not have. Yeah. So that's what I came up with here. That's what happens when I freestyle impromptu. Um, you have found the Lightly Literary Podcast listeners, as I mentioned. We are a book club podcast, and we also do book recommendations, which is what you've stumbled upon today. Today we'll be recommending a novel by Richard Hooker called MASH. Yes, that MASH, like the TV show, the movie, the super famous American-Korean <laughs> War, um, I guess, sitcom. But this is the novel that that was based on. That's what we'll be discussing. If you've never encountered us before, first of all, welcome. You're in the right place to start. Our book recommendation episodes are intended for first-time listeners or people people just looking for a broad book recommendation. We'll be discussing the work, talking about what we like about it, and even dislike if there's some things like that in there. We also do not spoil on these episodes, so to speak, so it's it's more of a broad overview, and it's persuasion, really. We're just going to try and convince you to read it with us. We also would ask for a follow on social media. We've got Instagram and Facebook accounts under at the Lightly Literary Podcast, which is just our name, but all one word, so find us there. And if you like the show, any ratings on Spotify, or I guess iTunes. We're up on any podcast platform, so ratings and reviews help us basically wherever podcasts are found. Amanda, you chose this book. Before we jump in, do you want to talk about why you chose it? Uh, sure. I um, I was looking through my cousin's house. Um, she bought a house with her husband that's like 100 mm-hmm. years old, and there's a, all this stuff in it, and I found these books, and I saw MASH, and I was like, oh my god, I know MASH. I didn't know that there was a book, because um, I've seen both the movie and, and the sitcom. Like The sitcom was like my dad's favorite when I was growing up, so I grew up watching it as well, and I was really interested in seeing how that kind of adds up together, so... Yeah, definitely. And the show, like you said, your family loved it, so yeah. an important comparison point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you know that there were 14 follow-up novels to this novel? I knew that there were sequels, but that he, that Richard Hooker himself, only wrote like two or something like that. Gotcha. They really tried to keep the franchise alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Before our franchise IP entertainment deluge that we're under. Yeah. Speaking of deluges, <laughs> I'll briefly read from the cover and then we'll jump into our recommendation. Um, this is how the cover describes it. Um, meet the true to life heroes. True life heroes? That can't be true. True to life <laughs> heroes <laughs> and lunatics who fought in the Korean War and experienced the martini laced mornings, marathon hijinks, sexual escapades, and that perfectly corrupt football game that every fan of the movie will remember. It's also a story of hard work and skill in the face of enormous pressure and odds. Here's where it all began the novel that made MASH a legend. So, some fitting enough descriptions on the cover there from that final paragraph. Let's get to it, though, Amanda. Let's do our rapid-fire recommendations. This is a segment when we describe the book in very brief and broad terms and bounce these off of each other. I'll go first. Amanda, I think listeners should read this book if you want to hang out with what I would describe as good old boys. I think that's a a very appropriate phrase. (laughs) Good old boys. Maybe said in that that tone. Those are some good old boys. Yep. Just remember, this is set during the Korean War, so mm-hmm. back in the 50s, guys. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I said you should read this book if you like your humor to be occasionally interspersed with medical knowledge. 
It's a really specific brand of humor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, there's definitely some. It's got specificity to it. You can tell that the author served and was a doctor there. Yeah, it's it has that level of authenticity. I would say for sure. I think you should read this book if you're an adult who still loves April Fool's Day. I think that's perfect. Yeah, if you like pranks and hijinks, this is perfect. Um, you should read this book if you enjoy one-liners and silly hijinks. So that works well with the April Fool's Day. Definitely, and they are ultra silly yeah. and weirdly specific, and so they're inventive. <laughs> uh, for better and worse, they're inventive, is what I'll yeah. say. Yep. <laughs> I think you should read this book if you're interested in a military story that is not very grim, as so much of it can be. Yeah, that's true. Um, it, it it does have some serious moments, but not overly so. Um, you mm-hmm. should read this book if you enjoyed the movie and or TV versions of the book. Damn, nothing to say. My next one is you. I should you should read this book if you've watched the famous television program Mash. So <laughs> I just feel like you. Ha- I mean, I have no comparison point. You do, yeah. but I do feel like it's kind of essential if you're deep into the show or movie, right? Yeah, I mean, the characters are. are f- I think that actually Colonel Blake is different in the show, but yeah, it's hmm. it's um, it's good. It's it's fairly. Spot I on. think. Even when adaptations kind of fail, which this one doesn't seem like a failure from what you've said, mm-hmm. but even when they fail, it's interesting. Yeah. Like comparing contrasts is just kind of inherently interesting. Yeah. So it's just kind of, why wouldn't you, right? Exactly. If you like the show. Exactly. Yeah. Um, My final mm-hmm. one. I think you should read this book if you are not squeamish when it comes to medical stuff, is what I'll say. Yeah. There are some scenes where if it were a video, I would have been like, you know, running Mm. away in terror so (laughs) yeah big time um you should read this book if you don't mind your quote hero characters to be a little morally ambiguous i think so though i also think the book's project in regards to its characters is incredibly clear yeah like i they have moral ambiguity but the battle lines on where the ambiguity goes is so tightly like i think they're morally like mixed up or something is the way i'd describe it but they also have such a clear code yeah they definitely have their own code yeah 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 and what's what's your final one um if you enjoy an anecdotal structure to your novels yeah not very novelistic not only is it it's brief which i think is actually a selling point to a ton of readers Mm -hmm. these days so it's interesting and short but yeah it does not have a strong sense of growth i think that might even be a bit of the point but it does feel almost anecdotal like you said or not it's not short story like but it has almost a what's the word i'm looking for snap vignettes not quite vignettes anyway it it has not a ton of cohesion to it right Um, except for the characters. Mm -hmm. Let's move, Amanda, to our pop culture touchstones. This is when we try and give a comparison point in current culture or throughout anything really from pop culture. It could be music, TV, movies. Obviously, in this case, we're not going to say MASH the TV show, I hope. (laughs) Are you going to say MASH? No. (laughs) like, okay, I hope not. Why don't you go first with your touchstone? What is this like? Um, I said anecdotal comedic shows. So if you think think of like Dave Chappelle, Bill Burr, Kevin Hart, so comedians who uh, tell jokes by giving us stories from their lives or what they say are stories from their lives. Um, Got it. So, stand up. Yeah. So, stand up comedy, but with the anecdotal structure. Um, so, the structure is the same as the novel, um, but 
just like the novel as well, there's often those anecdotes, even though it's like a joke, there is often an underlying serious undertone that's being addressed, mm-hmm. something that they want to come across. They're, they're using humor in order to get some kind of message across. So there's something serious, like a serious undertone to it. Um, and, and also the fact that there is some criticism of the way that those ideas are being expressed. So like think of Dave Chappelle and Bill Burr's, they, they get some flack from certain groups. Um, uh, for yeah. for their comedic shows, um, and there's the way that those ideas express are expressed are are the the issues a lot of the times, and so like just like in the novel, which yeah. was written in the fifties, some of the ways that the ideas are being expressed and some of the things that are not um, discussed in the novel could be read in certain ways. Yeah, those two are interesting comparison points too, because I agree with the like comedy mixed with you're you're gonna get some reactions you're gonna get some controversy Mm -hmm. this one is though more temporal to me Mm -hmm. like it's just from a different time yeah yeah (laughs) so the language is different and the focuses are a bit different too so yeah those are interesting comparison points though okay yeah that's well said i'm gonna go simpler i think and I'm kind of copying out because I'm picking TV shows like like MASH probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the the U.S. has entered kind of a golden age of workplace sitcoms over the past, I'd say, decade. So the notable ones I pulled were like The Office, Parks and Rec, and Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which were all also written by, I think, similar groups of writers and, and stuff, showrunners. But if you liked any of those shows, I, I do think you can get along pretty well with MASH. I will say that and maybe this is a sitcom TV thing, Seinfeld even, maybe you could throw in there. I think the characters in those shows are more sharply drawn, actually. I think, and I comment on this in the first part of our MASH book club episode, but I think the characters in this book are can be a bit samey at times to me. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, I think our modern sitcoms have, there's sharper lines between characters these days. But the hijinks and the tone is very similar. So mm-hmm. just like in Parks and Rec, like there's some serious stuff about actual government harm. And in the office, there's stuff about like, you know, admiring your boss or kind of like getting to know people like they play their serious notes. Brooklyn Nine-Nine, there's stuff about policing and race. Like all those shows will dabble in a serious moment right. for an episode or two, you know, do a little arc. And then MASH does that, too. So I think that's where I was thinking of the comparison where it's like comedy is the priority, but it's not afraid of bigger maybe bigger quote-unquote issues right um, but i think if you like those kind of workplace sitcoms that have gotten so popular that this could be a pretty easy sell yeah i think that's a that's a great comparison i i also i love brooklyn 99 and office and parks and rec and yeah that definitely mm-hmm. i think is a great comparison the the comedy is is what sells you on it and then the serious topics that, that it can bring about are are not you're not put off by it because it's followed by more comedy and stuff as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's move to the next segment then, Amanda, the scripted pitch. This is just what it sounds like. Amanda and I have prepared a bit of writing in advance to read to you, just something we thought out, had a chance to edit and look over, so it's it's a little bit prepared. Amanda, since you chose the book, we should probably always do it this way. Whoever chose goes first, oh, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> never, I never thought about doing that before this moment, but it makes sense to do it that way. So yeah, why don't you do your scripted pitch first, and, and I'll go after. Sure. Um, MASH is a war novel. Mm. 
Well, it's set during the Korean War and follows three army surgeons as they try to survive their enlistment. Although this is technically a war novel, don't expect a lot of details regarding the war itself or even details of Korea. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the focus of this novel, which is more a compilation of anecdotes um, until two of the three characters finally arrive home, is on how the main characters maintain their sanity with humor, hijinks, and moral superiority while doing their best to save each life that comes across their tables. The main characters are soldiers and surgeons in a war zone written by a soldier surgeon who served in the Korean War. So you shouldn't be surprised by some of the dated language and jokes that you'll encounter in this read. That's just a little warning. Um, if you can get past mm -hmm. that, this book is consistently funny and often tempered with both medical knowledge and moral asides that have translated well in both the movie and the TV series. So if you are familiar with those, then then I think you'll enjoy the book. Um, regardless of whether you've mm -hmm. encountered MASH on the screen, the novel is, for the most part, a pleasant, surprisingly lighthearted read. I've, yeah, the TV movie thing... I don't know why you wouldn't read this. Maybe I just like reading adaptations and probing at those differences and stuff. I think that's just a thing I like. But yeah, I feel like you've got to read this if you've encountered those. If not, like you said, it's lighthearted. It has a, it has that air of expertise. You can tell that he was there. Yeah. And, you know, he's not using that to probe the, the philosophy of war in the heart of mankind or anything. But he, yeah, it's definitely sprinkled with expertise. Yeah. That's how I would describe it. Yeah. Excellent. For my scripted pitch, I, well, there's got to be a reason, right, that the TV show MASH, which lasted for 11 seasons, and also I learned in my quick researching, it produced the most watched television finale of all time, which at when it aired, it's a little side note, three quarters of all U.S. citizens who turned on the TV that night watched it, which is wow. truly an unbelievable statistic. Wow. There's absolutely no TV show that today, not even the Super Bowl draws three quarters of TV attention. Like that's, it's not even close, right? So anyway, a legitimate phenomenon. Um, so there's got to be a reason, right? Frankly, after I'd say finishing MASH the novel, I have no uh, knowledge of the show, which was written by a doctor who served in the Korean War, as you noted. I would say at this point that I both do and do not understand that level of popularity. Um, here's what I understand. I do understand the basic appeal of kind of the premise of the foundation, which is that you take a workplace literally built to pay, take people, uh, make them miserable, test them, you know, make them just suffer almost, and you just mine it subversively, and at times I think even he does it a little bit offensively for fun. Like, you look for the fun in, in, in the war, basically. Um, there's humor and heart in the hijinks, is what I'll say. The main characters are kind of a whirlwind of confidence and chaos, which also means they're kind of samey. They kind of get swept up in each other and can be hard to tell apart at times. But they do balance each other well, too. So it's not really a novel of growth, but instead of one just, like, taking these characters and throwing them into scenarios... So that's the part I understand. I would say the part I don't understand as much is, I think, temporal. I don't think the book has aged that well. Um, some of the military absurdities and criticisms of the war machine, I think those still stick. But if you don't have a stomach for casual misogyny and race issues, then I don't, I don't know. I don't think you'd find much here that you couldn't find in the TV shows I mentioned earlier. I guess that's where I struggle, is because we've we've 
kind of turned this into a genre since then and have done it so many times. So I'm not sure if this book offers something like better than those, quote unquote. Um, Here's how I'll conclude. Do I think I understand the Korean War more deeply because of this book? Like, not at all. Like, not at all at all. (laughs) Um, But do I think I understand warfare better? Like about sacrifice and boredom and soldiers' lives? I would say sort of. And then the final question, do I think I learned about like war medical care and surgery and stuff because of this book definitely a hundred percent like meatball surgery as they call it i think i took a lot away about that and so that's kind of the blend i settle on um that's the things i sort of took away from it and yeah i didn't write this next part but i i don't know i i think the misogyny i was picking up on maybe more than you or i was certainly looking for it more i think the race stuff it's not a predominant idea in the book and it doesn't come off often enough to be a sticking point. I would say for probably most readers, they could probably just brush it aside, but it is more in like the language and just the references to things. It's not, there aren't really plot lines, so to speak, or characters that come across that way. It's more of just the banteriness of it and the way that they banter. But, um, yeah, I guess that's my, that's my pitch. Yeah. Um, yeah, as far as like the the misogyny and stuff, it's I'm not surprised by it because I I I mean it's written it was written during the 60s, but it's about the 50s, and it's written yeah, yeah. <laughs> in a in a all male you know not I know not literally but essentially an all male scenario and the and war heightens these things and the the comrade nature of war is its own topic and and we we kind of dig into that stuff in the pod so it's it's all very understandable i just wonder if someone wants 220 pages of it and i (laughs) i guess the key question would be is there stuff at the core of it that is enough to elevate above those concerns and i I end up in the middle like kind of maybe it depends i think you're more in the yes and i'm more in the maybe so yeah it's i think we're both kind of there yeah all right, you know, I want to summarize for you, of course, but I think that's over our conversations is kind of where we ended up with it. Yeah, so it is also, as I mentioned, it's interesting to read this now, given our recent TV kind of where TV's taken us in the past 10, 20 years, because it's it's clear this was a template for something. Right. You know, and when and when something when you go back to the original article of something that's been iterated upon so many times, I don't know, sometimes the original holds up, sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it's mixed. Yeah, that for me, it was somewhere in the middle. So any other thoughts on those pitches? Nope. All right, we've summarized enough. So let's end with our quote for clarification. This is always our final segment on book recommendations. We'll each pick a selection that we chose from the book to just read directly and discuss. We try to pick quotes that are meaningful or represent something important about the work. So something, you know, potent that we think will be insightful. I will go first. I feel like I've made you go first on all this stuff. <laughs> so I don't, I don't mind going yeah, first. Yeah, go first. Uh, I chose something very early. It's actually from when the two, I would call them the two main characters, Hawkeye, who's from Maine, and Duke, who's from Georgia. They're meeting in Korea to be surgeons together in the same unit. And this is kind of their early conversation. Um, I I just think it's telling enough, and it establishes a lot of characterization that comes through later. Anyway, this is their early conversation. What are y'all anyway, Captain Forrest asked. That's Duke. A nut? It's likely, Captain Pierce said. My name's Forrest, Duke Forrest. Who are y'all? Hawkeye Pierce. Hawkeye Pierce, Captain Forrest said. What the hell kind of a name is that? The only one my old man ever read was Last of the Mohicans, Captain Pierce explained. Oh, Captain Forrest said, and then, where are y'all from? Crabapple Cove. Where the hell is that? 
Maine, Hawkeye said. Where are you from? Four City. Where in the hell is that? Georgia, Duke said. Jesus, Hawkeye said. I need a drink. I got some, Duke said. Make it yourself or is it real, Hawkeye asked. Where I come from, it's real if you make it yourself, Duke Forrest said. But I bought it from this Yankee that the government... I bought this from the Yankee government. Then I'll try it. And then they, you know, start drinking together. Couple things. These two play off each other well. And what this quote shows is a couple things. Not only their regional kind of humor and the ways they connect and don't connect and the things that they can commiserate over. There's a lot of commiserating together. But it shows kind of their general amiability, which carries through in the book, and their kind of practical, pretty direct approach to just life in the military, <laughs> like just trying to approach things that way. Um, they're also alcoholics, which the book doesn't really ever want to comment on, but they are. <laughs> or or I, I don't know. Let's, I'm, not a, I'm not a doctor. Yeah, let's not say that, maybe. But they alcohol is such an important part of the book, and they, they often bond over drinking while drinking. That's a, that's a key part of it, too. But I just think it's a tone setter, right? It's an early tone setting moment for their friendship, um, which is really the heart of the story. So it's like if you can if you can find that banter kind of fun and, you know, goofy in its own way, but also in, in a sense charming almost, then I think this book will agree with you pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yep. The, uh, it, the Duke comes off as like kind of your typical... Like Southern, like somebody who's so into like their Southern pride, which I think yeah. is funny. Yeah. Um. It, but it's so critical that Hawkeye immediately that the the reflective. There's got to be some literary term for this, but like the the repeated dialogue of surprise at each other. Yeah. You know, it's like where's it? But so he counters with the exact same hesitation. I suppose mm-hmm. we could say mm-hmm. is is kind of that's kind of the core moral of the whole, like it's right there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like these two people who have no business being together are going to have a profound connection that overcomes whatever boundaries they initially have. You know, it's like, it, yeah, it's all reflected there. I think it's a pretty meaningful early quote and yeah, it certainly gets more humorous than that. And they, a lot of it is, is physical too. It's not just kind of jabs like that. It's not all in the writing. It's sometimes just in the goofy scenarios. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so, but yeah, that's, I chose their, their first meeting. Yeah. Love that. How about for your quote? Um, I chose from my page 102, which is um, where they are giving a very inexperienced young man dating advice. Mm. Um, but if you go with the blanket, Hawkeye said, under no circumstances should you proceed more than 10 yards north from the Oak Club because you might place the blanket on top of a mine. An exploding mine may give the protagonist and his partner the impression that he's Thor, the god of thunder, but actually it's the worst form of Quaidus Interruptus. Um. <laughs> sure. I, that's a laugh at, not with, just to for clarity's yeah. sake. Coitus Interruptus. Okay. Yeah. All right. Anyway, but take it the, away. <laughs> this, this is an example of the type of humor. Um, so we, we had mentioned that there's some like juvenile humor in here and stuff. So there's like, you know, some sex jokes and, and it is very much, um, men being boys in their interactions a lot of the time. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's like the, the, the joke goes on to, I, I stopped there, but there's, um, they go on to talk about like, okay, th- there are other ways that you can hit on a woman, which is to just be super direct and, you know, 
the the law of diminishing returns where it's better to go ahead and do it that way because of you know whatever so um there's mm-hmm. the, the humor is is these are guys that are stressed out and this is how they deal with it, which is to, to make sex jokes and stuff like that. So that's the kind of the humor that yeah. you can expect um, a lot of the time. Although I know combo b- boyish and gallows. Is that the two, is that yeah. the twofer we're yep. dealing with here? Boyish humor, gallows humor. Yep. Kinda. <laughs> yep. And then there's a mention of Thor, the, th- uh, the God of Thunder. There's actually quite a few illusions in, in this novel as well. It is kind of oddly literary. It really picks its <laughs> moments, huh? As a, as a narrative. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, more than a few. I guess we won't say much more. We comment on a couple of those. It's it's sneaky with those, yeah. I would say. Excellent. That's a good quote, too. And I think, I don't know. In the end, this definitely isn't the venue for me to bring this up, but I'm just gonna. I don't know. Was I over-reading some of the misogyny? I I certainly brought it up more than you. I don't know. I don't think that says anything about either of us. Um, maybe it says something about our sense of humor, but even that I don't think is true, but I, I don't know. I, why was I picking up on it so much? I, do you think it was a dominant thing that a person, modern reader would notice? Maybe. Um, I am, yeah. I, I think that I was just a lot more like, well, it's the, a product of the, it's times. So it didn't register with me mm-hmm. as much because I kind of expected that. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I don't think it hampered the other moment i i just i I wanted to be diligent about bringing it up because i I suppose what i would say is too much of the plot actively hinged on it that i couldn't let it go yeah is what i would say i I feel like i wasn't over reading because too many jokes too many plot points came back to those kinds of things that i was like "Ah, i guess i just won't let this go this book (laughs) i'm just gonna have to keep (laughs) trying to analyze these moments but also it doesn't it's not like a overshadowing yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, it's it's in a strange place for sure. Yeah. Any other thoughts? That's a really well chosen quote. There's a ton to unpack in that quote you chose too. Anything um, else on that one? Um, nope. Excellent. Anything else on Mash? A kind of humor humorous book about the Korean War. Okay. Yeah, that's our recommendation. Hopefully, we persuaded you to read along with us. As always, we hope you do join us for that. And if not, the podcast episodes will still be up. And we've kind of designed them to be, I don't know, they're almost like walkthroughs now. So even if you don't read it, feel free to join us for the first one, see if you like it, see if you enjoy the discussion. Perhaps you will. We appreciate you making it to the end of this one, of course. If we failed at our attempts to persuade you, though, we apologize. We'll be back at it again soon. We have our next three books chosen, so Amanda will tell you about those in order. Uh, What do we got coming up? Next up, we have the novel The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. And after that, we've got a memoir, um, Crying in H Mart by Michelle Zauner. And the third one is a short story compilation by James Joyce called Dubliners. Yeah, going classic literary in that oh, one. Oh, yeah. Across the Pond, too. But yeah, some good contemporary picks in there, too. Some heavy hitters, in a sense. Very popular books. So hopefully those get you excited. Uh, we have social media accounts. We'd appreciate a follow uh, on Instagram and Facebook. We are at the Lightly Literary Podcast, which is all one word. So give us a follow there. As always, we appreciate reviews or recommendations on any podcast 
podcast platform, a, a tongue twister. <laughs> but yeah, those help a ton. So tell friends and family, review us on there. We appreciate that. It does help. As Amanda has rightfully noted here, if you decide to read MASH with us, we will be covering in podcast episode one, chapters one through nine. So if you're trying to read the you know correct amount for episode one, we'll be covering chapters one through nine. So we hope you join us for that journey and that episode will be up soon. Released as always on Fridays. And until next time, folks, we'll see you between the pages. Thank you.